Welcome first-time listeners and returners to the Sports Deli, where everyone deserves a seat at the table. What about f***ing Colin? Why does he not have a f***ing job? Because he's still being white balls. Why is Tom not speaking out about that? He should be his biggest f***ing ally. And he hasn't said one f***ing thing. A lot of people that have come on this show, I don't know why, they've gotten some good f***ing jobs afterwards. Jim Rome in the jungle. It's right here in the sports deli, baby. We got some good ass karma right here. Let's fucking go. I love <laughs> oh, man. it. I love it. We hope you enjoy today's show, everyone. We're so honored on this third day of National Inspirational Role Models Month to welcome the pride of San Jose, professional softball player for Athletes Unlimited, Jasmine Jackson. A former All Pac 12 selection at Cal, she was a two time All American at Archbishop Mitty High School. She enjoys reading, dancing, and hanging with her family. She has three younger siblings. She loves to help empower young girls, especially in the Oakland area. She was a member of Team USA. She was born the same day as the late Nipsey Hussle and the same year as Asia Wilson. She can slap the living dollar sign H-I-T shit, no pun intended, out of the ball. She believes in using her platform with Athletes Unlimited to talk about social and racial injustice. And you can find her on Instagram at Jasmine. Now, Jasmine's with a Z and a Y, Jasmine Renee, and on her website at jasminejackson.com. And there's some other uh, places that we'll, we'll highlight a little bit later. But Jazz, uh, so honored and humbled that you're joining us today in the Sports Deli where everyone deserves a seat at the table, especially incredible women like yourself. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, you know, we've... Uh, been living in the zoom world <laughs> for so long Seriously. Uh, but you know it has changed you know the way that we you know do business and and uh get our messages out you know to people and in different ways in person and you know through audio and and video so uh you know i think it's it's very powerful uh when people hear the stories that you're going to share today and we'll have a little fun at the end with the rapid fire and so tell me what it was like we've had Ray Young, uh, I've had Dave Stewart, former Oakland A, uh, you know, and his wife is uh, baseball sports agent Lonnie Murray uh, on the show, and they're from the Oakland area. So, you know, I'm from Detroit, so I'm interested always to hear about people's upbringings and what it was like, because you're sort of in that era where you didn't really have to deal with a lot of things that some of my guests have to deal with in the early days of Title IX. But what was it like being a woman of color, you know, probably played multiple sports, but, uh, you know, softball was the one that you ended up going down that path. Your background's amazing. I feel like new things just keep jumping out at me. It's like, it's like, how did I not see that before? It's amazing. Um, anyways, <laughs> um, so I, it, it's looking back, yeah, I can have a perspective on how I was brought up in sports, but in the moment while I was a kid, my parents did their absolute best to make sure that I had no idea what was going on. Um, just like, you know, play your sport, get good grades and be a good human, be a good big sister, those types of things. So um, it's really interesting to look back on my upbringing in sport and be like, wow, my parents had to like grind. They had to work so hard to wow. get me, um, you know, just, just to the places I was at, like, um, the schools I was at even just like, I mean, we would commute like an hour and a half, two hours to school every single day, me thinking that's normal. That's fun. Or, um, wow. you know, my parents saying, okay, she's getting this, like this league that she's in, she's advancing pretty fast. 
where's the close, you know, they know nothing about, you know, softball. I'm the first one. They're like, wow. Okay. Um, this league seems to be better. I've, we've played this team. They're really good. We're going to put her on that team. Wow. And so it's just like, they, they were always looking for a new opportunity for me. One, they didn't care how far it was. They didn't care how much it cost. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm sure actually they cared how much it cost. It was just like, <laughs> right. <laughs> they, I now just, that, now that you're an adult, right. now that I'm an adult, they were like, <laughs> yeah, we really put everything into this. Um, but it's just been incredible to see, um, how awesome my parents were able to navigate that situation. I give so much credit to them. Um, they made sure I was never the best on the team ever, ever, ever. If they yeah. ever had a feeling that I was the best on the team immediately, it was on to the next team. And me, my thing is I'm super competitive. I'm a perfectionist. I've been crazy from the jump about like winning and wanting to be the best yeah. and all those things, get good grades, be the golden child, but not to them just because I'm, I was always so focused. Um, but I, when they would move me places, like I wouldn't bat an eye. There was a point in which I had gotten a little like burnt out. I think yeah. um, it was, it was middle. It was, I was in middle school. I was playing up on a team, but all of the girls went to high school and couldn't play because you're not allowed to play both at the same time, high school and right. travel ball. Mm-hmm. So then I'm go, I'm back and playing middle school ball. And I'm just like, I guess I'm not having fun. I want to quit. My dad's like, do you want this or not? Nobody else can want this for you. Do you want this? And I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. And then I guess, I guess from there, I was like, I'm getting a full ride scholarship. Uh, my parents aren't going to have to pay for me anymore. I'm going to give this all back by having them never pay for anything ever again. Um, and I also really, really, really wanted to make space for my younger siblings right. um, to have the same opportunity I had. So um it's, it's really interesting to look back on that. But in the moment, I am just like, win, 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 be the best, like crazy jazz. Yeah, it's, you know, we've had a lot of people on the show from like, you know, some of the biggest people at ESPN and no one's ever said what you just said, which is you, your parents didn't want you to be the best on the team. And as soon as they realized you were, you moved on to the next team, man, if more people, if any parents are listening to this show, Please get your kids to better situations with smarter people and more talented people, because if you're the smartest or the most talented person on the team or in the room, you're not going to be the best version of yourself. That's awesome. Totally. Yeah. And, and, you know, obviously there's at some point it's like, okay, she's 12. Are we going to move her up to 14? You know, that's middle Hell school. Yeah. <laughs> Conversations are getting a little different. Um, but my, I, you know, I was just a young kid. You adapt, you make friends. It's, it's, it just, it just brings your level up. So I definitely recommend, you know, although there is the pressure of like, okay, these girls are way older than my daughter, like two years can make a big difference. Um, when it's, when you get to the field and it's in practice and now you have the little 12 year old pushing the 14 year olds, it's like, it just makes everybody better. So. Yeah. You know, and I'm a professional basketball skills trainer. And so if there is an option to be the best on one team and not be the best on another, I'll always encourage them to do both because they can work on their stuff a little bit differently, you know, and softball and baseball is a little bit different. It's a, it's a statistical driven game. You know, the numbers are the numbers, you know, you're hitting for home runs or you're slapping or you're hitting for average or, you know, you got a gold glove or whatever, but you know, the leadership piece you know, if you are the best on the team, you can work on your leadership. And if you're not the best on the team, you know, around being around better players and better people and smarter people 
you know, you learn a lot from that kind of thing. So that's, totally. that's amazing. So uh, were you considering uh, anywhere else, but Cal, we've had Ben Braun on the show. He used to be the uh, basketball coach. Yeah, of course. Uh, but what was it about, about Cal? Cause you don't usually hear people when there's choices as one of the top players in the country coming out of high school, you know, <laughs> it's Cal or, but I don't know the, the best programs in the country for softball. But, but yeah. is Cal, you know, one of the, one of those top ten teams perennially. Cal Cal was at the time like ranked high. I think yeah. maybe third, second, or third. Wow, three, like really, really up there at the time. At the time, um, but you know, I was looking. You know, I'm from the Bay Area, so Stanford right. was another big one. Right. Um, UCLA was a big one. I'm in California. Washington was a really big one. Still love my dogs. Love Heather Tar. Um, wow. uh, there's. I mostly, I was blessed and privileged enough to like have my top four be my top four, you know, um, my dream schools be on my list. Um, wow. and you know, I, I was young, so this is before any rules. So I'm like 12. I'm like, okay, you know what? I love purple, but I don't like the rain. <laughs> so Washington's not up there. And then, um, UCLA and Stanford and Cal were kind of at my top towards the end. And, um, UCLA was great. I was just looking for like a more rigorous, you know, academic experience, um, which is also tough because that's where Natasha Wetley went to school. That's where Tri Flowers went to school. That's where all these greats went to school. Right. I was like literally obsessed um, with, sorry, dog. Right. Oh, you're I was good. literally obsessed with like Megan Langenfeld, which is a pitcher and I didn't even pitch anyways. Um, so then it became Cal and Stanford. And when you're in the Bay Area, it's Cal or Stanford. You're not of fans course. of both. There's, you know, you know, the big game, everything. Um, so I grew up a Stanford kid oh. going on all the visits and la, 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 like, yes, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. And it was cool. I'd been on like three visits, not like me personally, but just like, you know, yeah. after the camps, they take the kids on the tours and all those things. It's like, yeah, cool. I'm going to go here. And my parents forced me to go visit Cal when they made an offer because they're like, they're right up the road. It's disrespectful to not go. You need to look at all your options and it's right here. You're not going to be disrespectful. And I was like, oh, I remember it was a fight. I remember we were late that day. I hate being late there. We were late that day because there my was bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that triggers no, you right. No, no, you're today. fine. Oh you're fine. I hate being late. You're good. I was early then. Um, but there was just like traffic and we were late and I'm like, this is just a bad omen. Like I'm not going to go here. And as soon as we got there, like the clouds opened up and the, they just threw me to the team and the girls were amazing. It was a different experience. It was, um, it, it was the first time I felt like a little sister and me being the big sister, I was like, what? It was, it felt mm. They were laughing and joking and like, oh my gosh, you're so young. Like, this is so funny. Like, <laughs> like just, just being big sisters to me. And wow. once I got to walk around the Berkeley campus, I was like, oh, okay. This is where my heart is meant to be. So mm. um, I would never change my decision to go to like the number one public university in the world ever. Um, although my college experience softball experience was not exactly what I wanted to wanted it to be yeah. my parents have always like preached on the fact that you know you're not just a softball player you're you know a black woman you're a Mexican woman you are an older sister you're your daughter you're all of these things um that make you great like 
you're not just a softball player. And I think that going to Berkeley really, really made me feel like, yes, this is me. Like I am well-rounded. I am more than just my athletic experience. So that's, that's pretty much, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, on the campus, I've been on both campuses and and they're very different, right? One's more business-like and one's more eclectic and, you know, you, it reminds you of sort of the seventies still, right? <laughs> Just, you know, wee, yeah, exactly. you know, like everyone's a little bit more free and, and out there doing their own thing and stuff like okay. that. So yeah, that's awesome. So after Cal, tell everyone a little bit about, you know, what happened and then how you did some coaching and, you know, and then where yeah. you, where you're at now. And then um, I, I want to say like, I don't know if there's athletes unlimited gear, but I got to get some gear because you oh, see, I got, man, yeah. I got to talk to Eileen or something. We will get some gear thrown your way. So that's number one. Um, number one, most important thing. Uh, but number two, um, I guess my career of softball outside of just the school I went to yeah. started in um, when I was at Cal, I was on the junior national team, was invited to that. Yeah. I remember the first time I was invited to that, I excited then I saw the schedule because I'm you know you're going to college you're thinking this is the first summer I'm ever going to get off because we're playing (laughs) around and I see the schedule it's literally top to bottom like I will be out the first day of the first day like after school ends and I'll be a week late to school um for college and I like bawled my eyes out for like maybe 20 minutes about like okay I'm never gonna have a summer again and but then was so excited I made the team um after juniors I played with um, the, the women's team, the big team, uh, for the next four years. And it was the first time I had really ever considered playing softball outside of, you know, after college, I, I went to Berkeley for a reason. Um, I went to the business school at Berkeley for a reason there. I I was ready to like, get out my, my big idea was like, I'm going to go to business. Mind you, this is 12 year old jazz. I'm going to go to the business school and I'm going to make a lot of money. And then after I make a lot of money, I'm going to give it all back and to to my community. Wow. So that was my big plan, but yeah. playing softball, I was like, okay, wait, this is really fun. Okay. I love traveling the world with these people playing amazing softball. Um, and mm. it, it made me grow so much, much as a player and as a human, like I've been to Japan nine times, who could ever like say that? And it was That's within the span of like four or five years. Right. So enjoyed my experience and came to realize after college, like, okay, like, I think I, I think I want to keep doing it. So, <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I was playing, um, I think I'm going into my se- sixth or seventh year now as a pro, um, but playing pro, it's always this weird as, as a professional female athlete, it's this weird tug of like, okay, I had to be this whole entire person and had to get these good grades and had to tailor my future to not having the opportunity to play sports. So I have a career lined up. I have everything lined up, but now wait, I want to play and there's an opportunity, but it's this constant tug of like, yeah, do I just business be like an investment banker in right. the Bay area and make a lot of money and, you know, live that dream that I wanted to live of giving back to my community or do I be a professional athlete and make significantly less and so it's it's been it's there's always that like there's always that duality that a lot of people don't see when they see a professional female athlete they're just like oh like cool she's an athlete but they don't understand what she's sacrificing in terms of like 
building wealth for herself, generational wealth for her family, um, you know, starting a family, all of these things that, um, you know, were probably a part of the plan until they were like, oh, well, I guess I'm pretty, pretty damn good at this sport. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. I, I got to coach a little bit, like you, like you'd mentioned, I got to coach at Howard, which I never wanted to coach either. Um, but wait, I want to ask you about that because yeah. being being at a historical black college versus going to school at a PWI, mm-hmm. like t- tell everyone what the differences are because I mean, obviously it's a different kind of fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, Man, I mean, like football games and halftime shows and just like just the culture and the atmosphere. Totally. Man. Totally. If I had to do it all over again, I think I would go to an HBC. I am dead ass serious. Yeah. <laughs> I no. think it would be freaking amazing, especially if Deion Sanders is coaching football. Oh my God. Totally. Yeah. Um, I mean, going to Berkeley, which I don't even know if it would be described as a PWI, because I think the majority of the population is um the AAPI community. Um, but I will say that I have never been around so many Black people in my life. And as a Black person, because the Bay Area has so much diversity, obviously, but it's like a true Black community. I had never been a part of like that. So I was like- Midi uh, Midi was mostly white, right? Yeah, I think Midi is mostly white. I I have never looked up that stat, but I'm 99% positive. Maybe it's changing now. Um, Yeah but it was when I was there. Um, so being in, and, and I'm, I am black and Mexican, but I grew up with my Mexican side too. It's not my black side. So being around that was just like a breath of fresh air. I would highly, highly recommend for people to be at more of those sporting events. Like if you, if you want to coach, like definitely look into there. If you're interested in going there, look at, look at those places. Um, I will say that they're underfunded, which is extremely unfortunate. That's not their fault, but the, the culture and the, I don't know, it's, it's different. It's, it's such a blessing that I've gotten to experience that because for the first time in my life, I felt like, wow, okay. Nobody's expecting me to be any type of way. You get stuck being like a token black person all the time when you're the only one in the room. But when you're there, it's like, Mm -hmm. it was, I was so happy to like literally get zero eyes. Like nobody looks at me ever. (laughs) And I was like, cool. Cause I'm a very introverted person. So I'm like, great. Nobody cares about me. This is amazing. (laughs) I just look normal here. Um, but yeah, no, coaching at Howard is, I am so happy that that is my most recent and last coaching experience as of now, because I'm like, I could live the rest of my life with those girls having been my first and only coaching wow. experience. It was the most, they, the girls were amazing. It was the most wow. amazing. That's so cool. You just mentioned something that I found interesting. Cause you know, I like to talk about things that are a little bit deeper, but um, what, what's it like when you are the um, minority in the room because, and how, how have you evolved from there? Obviously now you're an assertive, strong, um, woman, and now it's not as much of a thing, but I mean, early on, I mean, um, we could all learn something from that. Yeah. Um, I mean, when I was younger, let me tell you, the struggle was real. I hated everything about my hair, like hated my hair. Like, wow. I, oh my gosh like it's so it's so like kind of funny not funny but like the amount of meltdowns I would have with my mother who is Mexican about 
like you don't get my hair like of course you think it's beautiful you don't even know what it's like (laughs) right so I mean hair was so big for me and I don't have it out right now because Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like doing my hair today um it is I mean it looks amazing but yeah thank you just a bun um but I mean growing up wanting to look like or Mm be seen as something else other than what you are presented as is like it's a pretty tough thing for a young kid to deal with like I I knew from a young age that like you know I told you I grew up with my um with the Mexican side of my family so I knew like my hair wasn't the same or like it uh, you hear me talking a lot about hair so hair is a really big thing for black right that um well a lot of people listen to the show if they're white they may not even understand why this is such a big thing but it culturally it's a, it's a big deal totally and and yeah. my boy, my boyfriend had like no clue the struggles that I had gone through about my hair but um yes multiple meltdowns and like by the age of 11 I my dad got me a straightener and my mom was on a business trip and <laughs> yeah he made a bad she he got in trouble for that um but I wanted it so but from then on my hair was straight all the time I I would only wear my hair straight at at all times and that's just like killing my hair right but um I don't know it's you it's so interesting that that's who I was and I was like so nervous to like you never had you never had the conversations with your parents because you're too young to like bring those kinds of things up right it's just like you know you feel weird about being the one of the few people of color or or Latina women in the room totally talk about that totally they but your parents don't know that you're absorbed you're feeling this because you're literally six years old you know yeah. it's like, there's no way my kid's actually feeling this but like exactly. little things are you know I can't remember everything but like maybe little things are said or you just feel like ah well I can't do that because I don't I like that color doesn't work on me because like that's not my color or just like different things um that you that you are dealing with that your parents don't even know you're dealing with right it's that's why I think early education about like and let me tell you my parents were like you're the most beautiful thing in the world you're so gorgeous you're this you're that but when you're only hearing it from your parents you're like okay these people are just my biggest fans like like <laughs> right they, they don't have a clue telling me this you yeah. you start to question like you start to understand how you're perceived versus how you feel sure. at a very very young age um so yeah, that's that's an interesting thing that I think a lot of kids of color, especially um, black kids with the hair, the hair is a big thing. Uh, you can't get it like, yep, you're definitely black when you see the hair, like no, no matter what you do. So um, I think that now it's this generation, this new generation of kids, like my sister, she's nine years younger than me, never strained her hair once in her life. I think mostly because she had me being like, no, your hair is beautiful, like <laughs> right. you. Um, and, and she had someone to see that and she's not the only person now in the room. Um, I think that this generation has made me stronger. My sister has made mm-hmm. me stronger and being like, ew, I'm not going to strain my hair. Like my hair is beautiful just the way it is. You're like, these Gen Zers are crazy, but they like, kinda, <laughs> but they will give it to you straight. And they will say like, that's wrong. They shouldn't be saying that to you. This is right. Like they're, they're on top of it. They're, they love people. They're being caring of people. Like it's my sister, my younger sister, who is 17, I'm 26 has really brought me out of my shell to be like a stronger woman. So I would definitely Mm -hmm. say that, you know, a lot of times we've, 
we focus on like what we want to become or like the generations before us and letting that lead us. But they, they always say this thing about kids, about how kids will, you know, they're the, they're the purest thing. So they Mm. see, you know, things for what it is. I think that the young, we can learn a lot from younger generations and they can uplift us too. It's not only the, the, the authority figures that you should be looking for affirmations from like also mm-hmm. like look to your kids look to the kids you're coaching like if you're making them feel good and they're making you feel good then it's like okay this is great we don't want that like top down power dynamic to like yeah. control the rest of humanity for the rest of time like we need to be more communal and i think that me learning from the younger generation has made me become the one i am you're probably one of the oldest souls and and the, one of the most forward thinking uh, people, women especially, on the show because between you know what you said earlier about you know your parents making sure that you weren't the best player on the team, and just your comment about because so many recently about um, you know listening to other people no matter who they are. Uh, is just something we, like you said, could all learn from, uh, mm-hmm. whether it's in politics or coaches, you know, instead of this top down, you know, idea that that's the only way to go. And so I think oh. that's, that's incredible. I want to pivot a little bit because I was going to talk about something else, but because of <laughs> what you just talked about, I want to talk about the the advocacy piece and and your voice and what Gen Z has sparked a lot of people to do in that space, because the reality is social media and litigation are the two things that will change society and mm-hmm. and, and voting mm-hmm. obviously yeah, but on. yeah oh my god please um you know and there's just a lot of divisiveness now and so w- what's been your experience in terms of the best way to go about not shoving things down people's throats but educating them to understand some of these issues and especially white people, because it is a white issue Mm -hmm. and we need more people like me to be allies and educate ourselves. It's not up to people of color or Latinas or Latinos to educate us on the discriminatory practices that have been going on for far too long and the two different narratives that still are in existence. But what's your experience about, you know, how you're leveraging your platform uh, in this space to be a part of sort of the bigger picture and the greater good and changing these narratives and laws and voting practices and healthcare and, you know, all these things that are still unequal and the racism that's still codified in law. Totally. There's five states that still have slavery in the books. I mean, there's, yeah. we, we have a long way to go. Yeah, that's, that's, no, that's crazy. Um, first of all, wow. What an extremely well said and packed question. Um I, I have a tendency I, to act, ask pack questions. I apologize. No, no, I, I love it. Um, I mean, in terms of, whew, in terms of advocacy using my social platform, I'll start there. I am, um, I do not feel it is my duty to, you know, educate others per se, but I do feel it is my duty to share my genuine personal experience. Um, and I, love the fact that I have a personal experience I don't have well you see my books I don't have to like rummage through all of these to like give you an answer like I can just tell you straight up my truth um and I feel like the more people can hear people's legitimate truths 
the more like story we can like okay we can we can see like okay this is affecting this many people in a true in a true way in an experiential way like but I, not just not just your sister right was it colin was it the WNBA players like you see the impact of all of this happening and now you're like fuck this like i'm not sitting in the background anymore totally and i i think that if you see i mean i mean colin man i i was a freshman at berkeley when the riots started, one of the biggest ones was right there. My mom wow. called me. She said, you better not leave that damn dorm room because if something happens to you, I will kill you first. I'm like, all right. Um, but but I think that that was when I truly started to understand platform. And yeah. once I got to college and before season had even started, I had been invited to the junior national team. And so this right. platform starting to build, I was at that point, I mean, I was juggling school, softball, social, but I started to understand my responsibility um, in what I put out. So being a good human um, and everything that entails, I think that, I mean, like you said, social media litigation, voting, those types of things, all of the, all of that's going to bring us um, into hopefully a better world. Um, and while I have my platform, it is my duty to use it for good. Um, and to be very mindful. And if I don't know something, like if I, if it is AAPI Heritage Month, this is my time to open up my platform to another individual to use my platform to uplift their community. That's not my job. Um, it, I mean, it is my job to uplift other communities, not to be like, you should do this, you should do that. It's it's you need to amplify other voices so while I am you know black and Mexican I am also an ally to other groups that I am not a part of too so I understand allyship as well um and then I mean in terms of just like advocacy in general I think I didn't make I think I didn't make the Olympic team in 2020 because I I was like you know what I'm gonna do what John Carlos did when when I'm on the stage or getting my gold medal I'm gonna like put my fist up, you know, black power, whatnot, all the good stuff. And Trump had literally put out like, if anybody does this, like mm -hmm. you're out, you're going to get your gold medal stripped. And I was like, that must've been why I didn't make the team. Praise be to God. Like I would have gotten my gold medal strip. Um, but anyways, I think that, I mean, advocacy is important. Advo advocacy is just using your voice. I think my generation and the generations after me and my, I'm kind of a Gen Z or millennial, millennial cusper. Right. Um, so both, uh, the generations before that have done an amazing job of now giving us the chance to make true change, not in the world, but within ourselves. I will right. always credit my parents. Like maybe my parents didn't do everything right, but I am at a point where I'm not like internalizing generational trauma. I'm like, okay, like this is what's here in my family. Now I can work through this have my parents had my parents never given me the privilege to work through things like and not just be completely survival survival mode my whole life being able to be in thrival mode I um I, I wouldn't be able to speak as an advocate um and as an activist the way the ways I do now so um lots of credit to the generations before us and I think a lot of times we blame generations before us but you got to understand that they were just surviving too we have to we have to take that assess and like just continue to make the world better. So are we in a better place? Then I don't know. 
10, 20 years ago. I mean, I, there's so much divisiveness and I hear so many people come on the show and they wonder if we're in a better place. Yeah. Um, I think we're in a different place. If it, it, I mean, it's case by case basis. I, I mean, there's some people that are still not getting clean water in the United States of America. Like there are people, there's, there's, I'm not going to say like this country is absolutely thriving and taking care of all of its people. Um, I, I think about, this is very interesting. Um, on this, when I was on the USA team and we'd listen to the Star Spangled Banner before we would, you know, go out and play the national anthem. I would just, it was never like my thought. I was never closing my eyes or never my hand on my heart because of, I don't know, maybe what other people might have it there for. But for me, it was like, so many of my ancestors that I have no, I don't know their names. I don't know who they are on. I'm, I have a very large indigenous um, heritage that I don't even know about on my black side. Like wow. my family came here, came here as slaves. So like, there are so many people that I don't know that had to decide to live that day and to continue that day for me to even stand here and represent the United States of America. Like that is wild to me and i would not have been able these past this past decade to represent the the united states like i did easy i'm on the field nobody's bothering me nobody's saying anything to me everything good 20 years before that it could have been revolutionary that i was like like i can't imagine what you know natasha watley and try flowers had to deal with being that on the national team and traveling to different places back in their days so uh, I think, I think we are in a better place, but I, the reason why it doesn't feel like, like, so is people are evolving. Like we're not taking the status quo anymore. So yeah, of course there's no more slavery, but like, is that what we're like? That's gotta be a given at this point. Like <laughs> we, we we're evolving. You can't say like, well, well, we don't have Jim Crow. Like, okay, but that was never okay, though. So, like, let's not compare today to the fact that we don't have slavery. Safe slavery. So, yes, yes, we're in a better place. Can we be better? Absolutely. I think there's, I mean, especially in the sports world, if you're not getting one percent better every day, like, right. what are you, what are you doing? You know. Well, I think there's a duality, right? When when you have pushback in any way. Uh, there is the one side of the evolutionary path, but you're going to get the people that come out of their rat holes and they're going to push back mm -hmm. because it's not the status quo and it's uncomfortable. And so we have to stick together, uh, whether you believe in one side or the other. And so mm -hmm. I think it's just inevitable that you're going to get pushed back, even if it was the way it used to be with the Republicans, mm -hmm. you know, or the Democrats or whatever. Uh, I think you're going to naturally just get pushed back and we just have to stick together. And then, you know how it is over time, people's minds change because, you know, they see things differently, you know, um, for the better, but it takes them a while. Totally. I, I don't, I also don't think that there is an issue with opposing sides with like people disagreeing. I think disagreement is great. Right. I think that, I mean, we understand that without any friction, without any hardship, without anything, we would never grow. Like as a person, you understand that for yourself, like you grow through things. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I think it's absolutely necessary um, to have to have disagreements, arguments, 
iron sharpens iron situations, but there, there are certain like humanitarian things that we need to address. We, and I mean, so the like, Jasmine, this this is the analogy that I always use, right? Because I played semi-pro baseball. I understand baseball very well, mm-hmm. old school baseball and how it is now and the nuances to the game and softball is different, but in some ways it's not. So when you hit a home run and you flip your bat mm-hmm. and you trot around the bases and you stare the pitcher down, what's happening to the next batter? They're getting hit. They're getting hit. And so, when you, okay. So when you hit the next batter, where do you hit them? Um, probably personally, are we asking me? Well, I mean, typically where is it okay to hit the next batter? Like the tushy, like the right in the the rear. Yeah. In the thigh area, maybe, maybe the bicep, you know, but we don't want to get anywhere near the head. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So that's an unwritten rule and you certainly don't want to throw behind them. No, that's so, right. So that's what I'm saying. So where we've gone in society to me is we're not throwing at the rear end. Mm-hmm. We're not even throwing at the arm, which is getting close to the head and you're going to get a stare down like mother. Mm-hmm. So we're throwing behind and at people's heads. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I have a problem with what you're talking about, about the, you know, uh, sharpening each other and, you know, being a better version of yourself because of opposing views and we're throwing at each other's heads and behind each other. And so mm-hmm. we've, we've gone past the unwritten rules absolutely in life and in sport. And so we need to get back to a little bit more of a centered uh, argument instead of the hatred and the division, because I think you're just not going to get the things accomplished that you could, you know, when you find some middle ground. Totally. And I, I think earlier in this episode, you'd mentioned um, education and, and like educating yeah. yourself and to not go in your analogy, you know, throwing behind the, behind the hitter at their yeah. head, like, we have to be on a ground of which we can have a conversation. And that is why education is so important because without having words to say or tools to say or arguments or any, like without having that education, we can't, we can't do this when I think. A right. Lot of- and then bring your A game, bring your best pitch and I'll give you my best swing and whoever wins, wins. Wins, wins. Exactly. And, and I think it's, you know, Maybe I don't feel, you know, I don't have a best pitch. I'm just going to throw out their head and, you know, whatever. Like that, that's, that's where we're at. That's right. Where we're at. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, people like uh, you and uh, many others who are in the space of trying to throw at the buttocks and not at the head <laughs> is going to make society definitely a better place. Uh, I, I do want to ask you about <laughs> mental health. Um, because you are grounded, but you had that experience when you were a kid. I can't imagine being a white Jewish person in a room with people of color when I was at the Jewish day school that I attended before Mm. fifth grade. Mm. Now, please preferably put me in a room with people of color because I would much prefer it, you know, or people in the Latina and Latina community, Mm. Latino community, like I'm just more comfortable in that space, but it took like being uncomfortable really around a lot of my own people who I felt were, and this is not true of everybody. Right. And and I got to be careful, I guess, but I didn't feel as comfortable around the rigidity and the, uh, the uh, exclusionary, you know, practices a lot of times for good reason. Mm. You know, I know my family's history with the Holocaust and why there's a level of paranoia. Like you understand these things, but it wasn't, 
benefiting me emotionally and vibrationally. And it certainly wasn't uh, helping me when I was going into other spaces, which I am allowed in that you're not still today. Mm. And so that's what I want to be a part of is helping. And there's going to be spaces you can never be a part of. Yeah. It's unfortunately the, the, the way it is. But what about mental health and and how you feel so grounded? And did your boyfriend have any idea that this is who you were when he met you? He must be like. Absolutely. He thought I was some little quiet, you know, all right, exactly. whatever. Absolutely not. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> I'm all things educated, all things black, all things Mexican. So yeah. and all things woman. So, yeah, you're not getting the quiet girl. Um, But yeah. anyway, so that mental health is huge in my life i think yeah. when we when we start realizing like hey we want to go against the grain of what was laid out for us that's like hard that's super hard when um and i know for my mom too i mean mexican catholic tradition hard crazy. She never, she never put that on us. You're not allowed to wear shorts outside. You're not allowed to, book, allowed to call anybody during the day. You're not allowed to do this. You're not allowed to do that. I, she was not like that with me. Um, but I could imagine the mental health things she's had to go through and, you know, creating that friction in the household. And for me, um, a lot of my friction has been internally, um, being a part of spaces or seeing spaces that I want to be a part of, but me thinking like, Mm, I just can't get there. Why? Like, why? Why can't I get there? And I mean, personally, my background is I'm I'm very much a a people pleaser. I'm the first child. I want to do everything right for everybody. I want to make everybody feel good. La la la. So like, <laughs> when when that wouldn't happen, which will always happen in your life, yeah. at a very at a very young age, I started being really sad about like making my siblings cry, making my parents upset or making my teacher upset. Oh my gosh. Don't let me make a teacher upset. Um, but I, or a coach. Yeah. Or a coach or a coach, um, which usually I didn't. Cause I was always first. I knew how to be, I knew how to get the approval, <laughs> uh, but, but you know, the things that are there with you when you're young move their way up to you now when at, at this age and mental health has been super, 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 tough I think definitely with COVID and you know mm -hmm. being around certain people for a long period of time and then also not being around anybody for a certain for a certain period of time Facts, I've yeah. had to rely heavily on just what the hell do you want to do what do you love That's I love why. I why. love mm -hmm. music I sometimes love softball most times I do but um, it's it's just like what has really helped me with my mental health is not setting a goal for myself of I need to be here, but just being okay with the fact that I get to set a new standard for myself every day. I get to grow every day, just like a plant grows. Like, I'm not going to say, okay, once the plant's here, like I'm done. Like, no, like you're going to constantly be growing every day. So just get used to like hey, this pissed me off today. Why did that piss me off today? That's interesting. We're like, whoa, I, this is the first time I've been to like, been on a hike. I didn't know I liked hiking like this. Like, wow. Like just taking every day as, as an adventure and an opportunity has really, really, really helped my mental health. I'm the type to like, want to plan a lot of pressure on yourself. Yeah. 10 year, 10 year plan, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and like, that's not good. It's not, it's not working. So taking every day in as, as an adventure with gratitude has been really helpful.
That's good. Well, you, you definitely um, had a strong foundation. And so you, that's one approach, you know, towards mental health. This is a uh, uh, call to action out there. Uh, we use this opportunity. We say it at the end typically, but the uh, people can dial 988, the mental health uh, suicide lifeline. So if you're going through a rough time, you can definitely, you know, do that. And I've talked about it many times in this show. I've had six dads and two of them have killed themselves. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's a topic that's, you know, important to me. And now it's my superpower. I talk about it all the time mm-hmm. and what, I, what I've learned from it. Um, talked about it today in a yoga class that I was substituting for. And so, you know, you got to sit in your shit sometimes. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you cannot, you know, get to that next level. And if you're going to continuously run away from it, you know, or glorify it and when it's not your real truth. Uh, mm-hmm. You're, you're going to have a hard time being a better version of yourself uh, when it comes to mental health. And some of it is chemical. So we have yeah. to you know, point that out that we got to normalize that part of it, too, which we've had guests on the show that have talked about that, just like high blood pressure medication or things with, with regards to diabetes that sometimes you need lithium totally. if, you're bi- if you're bipolar and that's OK. You yeah, know, it's just a totally. chemical imbalance. Mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So, all right, let's get to the rapid file. I'll leave the floor for you. Cause I want to talk, I want you to finish with athletes unlimited so people can hear about that and yes. you know what's going on with that. And, and uh, you know, just to make, honestly, like um, just to see an organization having multiple sports uh, under their umbrella. Crazy. It's just, a, it's, you know, can you imagine the NBA, you know, having softball? <laughs> like it's just nothing. You would never even entertain that idea. Crazy guys. The way, yeah, it's just amazing uh, what Eileen and the whole team is doing. And um, yeah, shout out to, to was it Scott that put us in touch? Yeah, Scott put us in touch, yeah. Yeah, for, for making this happen. So, okay, so this is the rapid fire. Okay, put your seatbelts on, ladies and gentlemen, because seatbelts save lives. Uh, slapping or bunting? Slapping. Yeah, of course. Wait, I, is it, I knew that, everybody. So I knew, it was a, but some of you out there, you know, you just don't know. Favorite softball player of all time? Uh-oh. I've been around too many amazing women. To okay, like... top three. Okay. Um, Natasha Watley, yeah. Pride and Joy. Um, definitely Britt Vonk, someone, she's on the Dutch national team, one of my best friends in the whole wide world. And wow, this is tough. You're just going to have me choosing my best friends. Um, <laughs> uh, Kamalani Dung, Hawaii, amazing story. Um, from the mud, love that girl. I don't know the story. Can you tell it in 30 seconds? Um, Kamlani Dong from Hawaii. Um, she, I mean, I, I don't know if anybody's heard of Odyssey Alexander, but same thing, throwing to a wall, um, learned, t- taught herself how to pitch on, on YouTube, um, ended up being like Puerto Rican national team pitcher, wow. um, went to Cal, went D1, from a very, very, very small town on the west side of Oahu. Of Oahu. So anyways. Wow. Great, great. Girl. We should get her on here next time. Yeah, we should. You you come back and co-host with me anytime, whether I have <laughs> WNBA players on or Ooh, yeah, fun. you should be. Uh, do, you don't have a podcast. Mm-mm. Oh my god, what are you waiting for? You should have a podcast. Are you kidding me? I can definitely talk to myself, so maybe I will, and I don't even need anybody to listen. I mean, you you know how many guests you could bring on that could could resonate yeah, with people. Friends. You could bring your sister on to co-host. Totally okay. That sounds fun, actually. Oh and my. I like talking. Okay, great. Yeah, heck yeah, let's go. Um, favorite baseball player of all time, Ricky Henderson. Wow. Yeah. Another player from that area of the world. Yeah, Mister Mister A's. Mm-hmm. We had Dave Stewart on, like I told you, he was. Yeah. He was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and his wife's 
man, she is phenomenal. Do you know Lonnie? No, but I'm going to need to like get in touch. I'll put you in touch with her. Yeah. She's, you know, she's one of the few female sports agents in major league baseball and what she's doing is incredible. Um, best book you've read or listened to lately. Oh, lately. Um, this is going to be way off. I really like high fantasy fiction. Um, a court of thorns and roses. I have the six. Oh, wow. Actually right here. It's like an 800 pager. That's yeah. incredible. I'm reading uh, Jamel Hill's book now. So I just started it. Yeah, she's amazing. Yeah. She checks my messages. She doesn't often respond, but she <laughs> does. I can tell that she's looking at my messages, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Uh, and I just finished Mahmoud's book too. So okay. that was pretty incredible. Yeah. Nice. yeah, over the pandemic, I read uh, White Fragility and Just mm. Mercy. So I read a, a few books that really, really uh, were powerful. Uh, yeah. Favorite app on your phone? Oh, um, wait, were you going to name another book that you wanted to tell everyone about? I mean, I, I have, I have quite a bit. Um, yeah, I can see that. I, uh, I really like this book called the intersectional, um, environmentalist where it kind yeah. of talks about like, you know, the intersecting of, it's not just about race. It's not just right. about socioeconomic, you know, issues. It's not just about gender. It's not just about sex, like sexual orientation. It's about all of these things. Yeah. So, right. This is, that's this one. It's a super huh. quick, easy read. Intersectional but, environmentalist. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I remember when uh, we had um, uh, Jim Herrick on. He used to be the coach at UCLA, won a national championship there. Mm -hmm. And one time he came on for himself. And the next time he came on to talk about John Wooden. And John Wooden was 99 years old, the Wizard of Westwood, doing a deep dive into the correlation between religions. Because mm. it was so interesting to him. That is interesting. At 99 years old. Yeah, yeah. What's the favorite sticker you have on your water bottle? Oh, um. That was not part of the original questions, but since I saw it sitting in the background, Oakland. Oh, Soul. I have so many good ones, but Oakland Ooh. Soul, they're a they're a new um so Oakland Roots is a the men's soccer team out here in Oakland, but Oakland Soul is gonna be the women's soccer team. Ooh. So I really like that. I'm that's sick. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh favorite TV show? Did you have one or have one now? House of Dragons is great. Mm. I'm also an anime girl. Attack on Titan wow. is like really <laughs> <good>. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Uh <laughs> Wait, did I did I ask you favorite app on your phone? Favorite app on my phone? No. Um, Spotify. Spotify. Wow. I'm a podcast girl and I'm a music girl. It's perfect. It is. Wait, do you have a favorite podcast? Um, I hate that I'm gonna say, well, one, I love the daily. I just okay. I love the daily. And then two, yeah. I, I don't hate this one. I love Amanda Seals, um, small conversations with Amanda Seals or something like that. Okay, Amanda that's cool. Seals is great. I'll have to check that out. I haven't checked it out. Uh, who was your biggest rivalry at Cal? Well, obviously Stanford. I will make a point. I will tell everybody that I've But it's not Stanford. always what it appears to be. That's why I asked that question. Yeah, no, but the thing is, I've I've lost to every team in the Pac-12 except for four years strong, Stanford. So I feel like I can't have a wow. rivalry with someone that's beat me. So Sanford is just, <laughs> I'm 12 and oh, <laughs> that's phenomenal. <laughs> wow. I love it. Uh, candy or popcorn at the movies? Popcorn. With butter? Absolutely. <laughs> I love when people say that. Yeah, absolutely. Waffles, French toast, or pancakes? French toast, bananas, fosters, French toast. So wow. good. Not many people uh, answer that. Have you ever had a French toast with challah bread? 
No. Okay, so it's a thick Jewish bread. So it's got to be on your bucket list. Like it, you'll never go back to any other bread ever again, except maybe potato bread. I know is really good with French toast. Challah okay. bread. Yeah, you got to try. I, oh, it's gorgeous. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure this happens. <laughs> I want that to be as part of your first podcast. Okay, great. I'll screenshotting here. <laughs> so, uh, what's your love language? Oh, um, <laughs> quality time for sure. I, what, I, I like to talk. I like to yeah. deep what's, conversations. What's his, what's his love language? Um, you know what? Probably quality time too, ex except I think he hits a max. I don't hit a max. He's like, all right, I'm going to go play. <laughs> I just don't hit a max. Was that a cringe question or was that okay? It was cringe, but it was also funny. Yeah, right. Okay. I was just making sure that's, that's the vibration that I felt there. So I, I don't usually ask the question, but I felt like with you, it was okay because you're it's in a that, good one. It's that funny. generational question. Yeah. It's funny. So do you have a household chore that you hate doing? Oh, yes. The dishes. <laughs> I hate the dishes. <laughs> I hate the dishes. That is freaking hilarious. Uh, San Francisco Giants or the 49ers? Neither. Oh my gosh. Never. Neither. No way. That's never a thing. Oakland Raiders, which. We'll just call them the Raiders now. Yeah, because that's or what I'm saying. They weren't there anymore, but okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I'm, I'm a Raiders girl through and through, you know, Raider gotcha. Nation for life. Yeah. It's me. Yeah. Oh man, that's phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> wait, a pitcher's duel or a high scoring affair? Yikes. Um, <laughs> I'm going to say for the thrill, for the thrill on the field. Yeah. As an outfielder, pitcher's duel. It's yeah. like heart levels here. You cannot mess oh. anything up. I think. <laughs> I'm a little crazy for like wanting that, but I love it. Have you ever uh, like jumped like over the fence and fell into foul territory catching a ball? I have, but last time I did that was um, back in travel ball. Now everything's too high for me. It's too high. Yeah. yeah. And the fields are too small. I don't have time to like do the run, catch, jump. Yeah. You know? yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you been watching the world series? Kind of. I don't know. I get so I get so um triggered by how much how much they're paid. So I try to I oh, watch the web <laughs> Right. That's a good idea. Well, maybe yeah. if there's a game seven, you'll watch it. You know what? I was watching though when Bryce hit the, in the first game when he hit that. Well, because I was with a whole bunch of people. We were in San Diego at a bar and I was like, oh, this is Oh bad. my you god, I missed you in San Diego. Oh no. Oh, but okay, go ahead. Yeah. I was I was like, oh, and Bryce is up. He's hitting this one out. He's going to end the game right here. This is this is what he's going to I was like, something bad's going to happen. And I <laughs> called it and everybody was like, oh, how would you know? I'm like, because I do I play the sport. I know You should have walked him. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Well, the like hell why? are you doing? Why throw to Bryce Harper? Just why? Anyways, oh, God. Neither here nor there. So wait, so you didn't like uh, Barry Bonds at all? Like watching him or like what I he watched, did? I okay. So I might like Ricky Henderson. Yeah, I get it. Pull out, and then also the Derek Jeter was like huge Derek Jeter the Teixeira the Granderson the Gardner that whole era oh my gosh Cano that whole era was like my that that was the baseball that was your love language, yeah, that was my love language. <laughs> absolutely um okay so I'm not gonna ask you this next question because you're living day to day and you don't want to think about the future but let's ask the last question that we usually ask so if you could have five people at your dinner table past or present dead or alive but you've never met them before 
Who would be at your dinner table? Okay. I would choose. Oh, wait. Think about that. I got a mama joke. Okay. Okay. So which of these two mama jokes do you think is funnier? Your mom's so dumb. She put a bag over the computer in case it crashed. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Or your mom's so dumb. She went to the dentist to get a Bluetooth. <gasps> Definitely the second one. That's so <laughs> <funny>. <laughs> okay. So I give me a little time now to think about the That's dinner good. table question. <laughs> That's good. Okay. Um, who I've never met. I got a lot of mama jokes. Yeah. I'm no, from Detroit. Are, I got a lot of mama jokes. Those were good. They're like very dad joke-esque though. <laughs> yes, totally. Yeah. Um, dad, 53 right here. I know I don't look 53, but I am. <laughs> um, yeah, you look great. Um, I would choose one. Um, okay, this is really tough. I would love to speak to Angela Davis. Mm. Um I would love on both sides of my family. So this is going to be two people um, a person that, or I guess, I guess the, on my, on my black side, the first person down my line, mm -hmm. one of the, one of the two that came over, I would wow. want to hear about that whole. No experience. one's ever answered the question like that. That's such a great fucking answer. Oh, thank you. And then and I love that. And then on my, on, on my Mexican side, the first person from the old world the first european that ever came in contact with whatever indigenous person was down my line wow. um that i think those are a cool three mm -hmm. um huey p newton from the black panther party um wow. man i gotta i gotta uh shoot who i've never met so i'm sorry this is taking so long casually just casually gonna throw in serena williams just casually because it's Serena. So yeah. She is the goat. She is the goat. That was Man. really hard though. Who would be number six? Um, I really don't want to say Barack, but I really want to <laughs> I really want to meet him. <laughs> Man, that makes two of us. I sort of have a connection with with Barack. I don't know if it'll ever happen. So my former assistant, this is an interesting story, and I'll let you go. So he used to work for Upper Deck. Okay. So under his umbrella as the marketing director, he had Tiger Woods, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, Ken Griffey Jr., Joe Montana, uh, and Dan Marino. All his responsibility. What? And, and others. He had KG. He had others. Who was this person? His name's Dan Bruton. So he used to work for Upper Deck, and then he just ran a multi-million dollar company. And he, he's one of those guys you never heard of, very unassuming, but he was the guy that made it all happen at Upper Deck. Wow. Yeah. So he grew up with um, the former Secretary of Education, Arnie Duncan. You know, they know each other, obviously, because the Secretary of Education <laughs> was appointed by Barack. Mm -hmm. So, you know, by, you know, association, you never know. Yeah, you know, uh, Steph Curry is amazing. Do you like Steph Curry? Oh, of course. I love him. Yeah. I mean, beyond basketball. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I go to his wife's, um, Aisha. I go to her. She has a coffee shop like a couple blocks away from me. I go there all the time. What? Have you run into her? No. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. Man, that's great. Well, hey, um, you know, so you're going to continue to play at least next season for sure. And, for and sure. so talk about, talk about, you know, how that experience has been and, and how people can watch it. There's more 
media attention bring brought to it. Yeah. And it's just, it's just an amazing thing. What's going on with athletes unlimited and t- talk about the, the multiple sports. And then, you know, obviously you play softball. Yeah. Um, so yeah, multiple sports. It is absolutely insane. The so when this first pitch, lacrosse, lacrosse, volleyball, volleyball, basketball, basketball. basketball. Yeah. Okay. When it was first pitched to me, I was like, excuse you like that like why would you make this such an individualized sports when we're we we're professional athletes we already don't know how to act when it comes to competition like we're ruthless absolutely ruthless um but what's really cool about athletes unlimited is not only do they do this point system where it's fantasy inspired um everybody makes a minimum of i think 10k is the base salary and then based off of where you finish that could be either like $15,000, $25,000, $1,000 extra in bonuses for only five weeks. Pretty, pretty awesome. But um, that wasn't what got me. What got me is the athlete causes program where every athlete gets to choose any nonprofit. So let's say I choose chapter 510, which is right here. (laughs) I chose chapter 510, whatever I make at the end of the season in my bonus. So based off of where I finish, 50% of that bonus is grant is matched by a foundation and sent to that organization. So if I were to make $10,000, which I wish I did, but I didn't, at the end of season, if that was my bonus, $5,000 would be um, donated to the organization of my choice. So it's not just team wins. You're on a leaderboard. And based on what you do individually, you end up, you know, sort of in a selfish kind of way, but in a good selfish kind of way at the top of the leaderboard, hopefully. Exactly. So that causes program was my hook. Obviously me as a person, now you know me. (laughs) But then once I got there, oh my gosh, first of all, I've never been treated so amazing as a professional athlete. So that's what that, that needs to be said Um, to the, the facilities, everything that were, you know, recovery, um, training room, food, anything, everything is great. Um, We work with Nike, which is awesome. We work with, you know, all of the big equipment companies, Um, but, and and we're all in different locations. So softball has been in Chicago, basketball has been in Vegas, right? we've been all over the country at this point. And, um, so we know basketball is going to be in Dallas. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Basketball is going to be in Dallas. We knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, I can't keep up with the announcements, Um, (laughs) but anyways, so we've had contracts with ESPN, um, for, for softball and lacrosse, which is awesome. And then, um, we've worked with CBS and Fox sports and all of these really really bet on women. Let's fucking go. Like it's, like, do you want to be a part of this or not? Cause it's going. So tell everybody just, you need, if you yes. want to be a part of it, just jump on board now. So it's like, you know, when you invest in something and then, or like you like a song and then it becomes popular five months later, do you want to be the person that's hopping exactly. on the wagon or do you want to be the person that was already down? Like, let's just get down. I've been so, down. I want my gear. Yeah. Okay. We need to send you some gear. You're right. You're right. We need to do that. Um, but a super dynamic fantasy inspired um, oh. sports league. And it's super fun to watch. So yeah. e- even more so than in person, I'd encourage people to go out because it's like, it's crazy in person. It's a, it's an active leaderboard. So every hit 10 points, double 20 points, um, pitchers, Man. every strikeout, they get plus four, every perfect game, they get a hundred, you know, and all of those numbers are correlated to like, Okay, if we if if this if our whole team gets a shutout, we all get a hundred dollars stacked on top of our bonus. So it's like, let's I love go. It. Let's go, baby. It's 
it's different because the guys I know they don't have like incentives per, for individual performance right. yeah but that's like what this whole thing is about so it's pretty crazy so great oh man and you talk about a shot in the arm and just feeling rejuvenated and like you know and it just speaks to what we need in society which is more opportunities for women for totally. women women of color in the hispanic mm -hmm. community and that's great i just yeah. love it yeah i watched some i watched some stuff you know from all the sports and uh you know i got into it it's you know like you said following the leaderboard and you know the getting getting the little girls in to watch it to see representation is so important Totally. So good, good for you. Well, like I said, anytime you want to come back and co-host, but you should have your own podcast. You heard it here <laughs> first, ladies and gentlemen. So right. thanks again for joining us, you know, as a part of our 50th anniversary of Title IX Celebration Series. Jasmine Jackson from Athletes Unlimited, former Cal star, uh, former All-American, and uh, please stay in touch. And uh, I, I don't just say that. I literally stay in touch with all my guests. Anything I can do, you know, like I said, I'm here to be a bridge and to serve. Totally. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. This has been has been an amazing conversation. And I enjoyed talking to you about like life. So thank you for that opportunity. Seriously. Absolutely. Well, if I can ever do anything for you, your teammates, you know, I'm a life coach, I'm an empath, anything else I can do in, in those spaces, uh, don't ever hesitate to reach out. And anyone else that you want to bring on the show you think would be a good fit for these types mm -hmm. of conversations. I typically like to bring women of color on because I just think that that is an important thing right now. Not that I don't, I'm adverse against white women or women in other spaces. I just think it's just important right now mm -hmm. to highlight those, those women. Yeah. I'm going to throw the lob to two different groups, throwing the lob to Kamadang, who I said, the Hawaiian, but she just got recognized yesterday by like the state of Hawaii for the work that she's doing um, in her athletic career. And then also for her community. Yeah. Come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. Um, play that. <laughs> Just kidding. Throwing the lob to, to her. So that'll, when that happens, that'll be great. Perfect. All right. Sounds good. We'll we'll reach out to them or you can introduce us and and uh, I'll send uh, anything that they need to vet me and listen to your podcast with me. And maybe that'll <laughs> convince them to want to come on. For sure. Thanks right, so have much a, Yeah, man. Thank you. Uh, honored that you wanted to share space with me. And thanks again to Scott and Athletes Unlimited and keep doing amazing things, you know, no matter what the future holds, even though you don't want to think about it too much right now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. The epitome of living in the moment and being the best version of yourself every day. So phenomenal stuff. Thanks so much. All right. Talk soon, Jazz. Appreciate yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you. Talk All right. Much soon. love. All right. Thanks so much. All right. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Jasmine Jackson joining us here in the Sports Deli as a part of our 50th anniversary of Title IX Celebration Series. All right, everyone, here are today's outtakes. Enjoy. Yeah, I was talking to, I don't know if you know who Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf is. He was uh, in the NBA for a number of years. He was basically Steph Curry before Steph Curry. He was Colin before Colin, and he was Kobe before Kobe. No, he yeah, literally... I probably do, and my dad would be like... You know, I told you about him. <laughs> yeah. He wrote me so mad. How do you not know who Mahmoud is? No, he literally was Steph before Steph, and he had the 5 a.m. workouts like Kobe, and then he protested the national anthem in the 90s uh, like mm. Colin did. Then yeah. yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> so I was talking to his publicist uh, at Showtime Entertainment. I don't know how I got that. That's uh, awesome. That yeah, because I'm just sort of a small operation, but, you know, uh, I just try and be authentic and – I appreciate, uh, you know, your people at Athletes Unlimited setting this thing up. So I'm excited for sure. Of course.
Uh, so I'm going to do a formal intro and then we'll, we'll chop it up. I'm excited. You know, I'm trying to get things out there, especially during the 50th anniversary of Title IX. It's really important to me, especially to highlight women and women of color. And so I'm excited to, to you know, share space with you today. Thanks. Boy, that was phenomenal. Great job and much love to everyone. Hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us. Remember, Black Lives Matter. Stop the bullying. Stop the Asian hate. Contact your local and state politicians for any inequalities for any individual or any group that's being marginalized. Also, everyone, we want to raise awareness for those individuals that are currently imprisoned for nonviolent offenses, in particular those with long-term sentences that are disproportionate in particular to those people in the black and brown community. And I want to send a shout out to 40 tons.co. 40 tons is a socially conscious cannabis brand. And they're a social enterprise using the regulated cannabis industry to fight injustice, in particular for cannabis prisoners. So check them out again at 40, the number four, the number zero, tons, plural, 40 tons.co because what they're doing in the cannabis space and being a socially conscious company is truly incredible and uh, they have my full support. And also wanted to remind all of you, if you're having a tough time, you can always call the Suicide Prevention Lifeline and that number is 800-273-8255. That's 800-273-8255. And now you can call 988. That's it. All you got to do is dial 988 from any phone. And they are available 24-7, 365 days. And if you want to follow me on social media or check out other episodes of this amazing Sports Deli podcast or any of my other podcasts, go to my link tree at linktree backslash Mike Hootner. And if you'd like to support us, at the Sports Deli. We'd love to have you either make a one-time donation or feel free to make a donation monthly, either 99 cents a month, $4.99 a month, or $9.99 a month. If you have uh, questions about that, send me an email again to thesportsdeli at gmail.com and I will send you the link on how you can do that. Uh, You can also find it at the bottom of every podcast on Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts. Link at the bottom to support the show. Please check, check out it. our website at thesportsdelipodcast.com. Make sure that we continue the conversations with regards to three strikes and you're out and mandatory minimums, especially people that are in jail for nonviolent offenses. So those things need to change. And remember, gents and ladies, please remember to do your monthly self breast examinations. And remember, guys, this afflicts about 1,500 men annually, with about a third of those resulting in death. So we want to make sure that we do our monthly self-breast examinations, both men and women. And guys, remember to do your self-testicular examinations every month as well. Until next time, remember it takes a village. I'm Hootie Hoot. This has been a production of Hootie Hoot Productions. Thank you for joining us in the Sports Deli, where everyone deserves a seat at the table. Remember it takes a village. Much love, everybody.